0: truth
1: talks. welcome back everyone to the truth talks podcast I'm your host buddy Boone thank you all for tuning in today with me today is the pastor of Belcroft Bible Church his name is Pastor Matt white how you doing today sir
2: I'm doing really good buddy ready to blow the cobwebs off man.
1: yeah because uh, it's been a long time since we've been in studio I almost called you uh Bishop uh, <laughs> of
2: uh, Belcroft Bible Church. that would be scary
1: oh yeah that would be scary
2: slave all right that that, that works never go wrong with that under shepherd Uh, that that's okay too slaves better okay all right (laughs) slaves more biblical yeah good
1: so uh speaking of which slave uh i have i have our topic today is going to be uh a little different and the reason why it's going to be a little different is this um i have been getting a steady dose of this um I would say the best word for me to say would be to call it a um a steady diet of evangelicalism. Mhm. Uh, from this past weekend there was this uh prayer march in
2: DC. Downtown, yep, yep, yeah. yep.
1: And um it the biggest thing that I've been hearing and I want to get your response to this. And and here's why. I will I will be very blunt when I say this, but since God didn't give you uh, the amount of melanin that I have, my circle is a little different than yours.
2: Yes. So I'm I am deficient
1: on multiple levels. It's it's okay, uh, you know. You know, I'm trying.
2: I I I think you just 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 take it as as God has given to you. Yes. Yeah, no, just, I'm thankful for what I've got. Yeah. But I'm not complaining for what I don't. And I, I, and I admit that I don't have, I don't have what you got, man. And it's a, yeah, you know, it's, it is reality. Yeah. As some would say, it's a blessing and a curse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So,
1: so I, I'm going to, the reason why I even want to bring this up is because I have questions. And the reason why I have questions is because evangelicalism, and here's the thing. When I say evangelicalism, most people think white Republican Christians. Yes. And
2: the, ter- the term is, uh, is, is ambiguous at best.
1: Yeah. And the reason why I have this question is because I've heard a lot and a lot of people saying, you know, a couple of things. One, we need to, uh, we need to take back the country. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to, uh, and, and actually the title of the entire March, the prayer March was the return. Yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking the return, return to what? Mm hmm. Return to who? Um, return, like, how does that even, where is that coming from? Mm-hmm. And the reason why I even asked that question is because of the fact that there have been, there has been so many people saying th- this specific thing. We need to pray that God will... Uh, get rid of you know all the things that bad things that are happening and we as christians need to return back to god and the church this the church that Mm -hmm. um excuse me and i'm setting this whole thing up you've mentioned several times on the podcast the four uh Mm -hmm. the four areas to Mm -hmm. protect the conscience is that a good way to say it Mm -hmm. um or
2: to or to uh the four the four areas of common grace that
1: four areas of common grace. Yeah. So the church being the last one, mm-hmm. um, are we as Christians supposed to be in this mindset or uh, or mission to win back America or mm-hmm. to uh, have people return back in, in, as the the words of the whole movement mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. what 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 say ye?
2: Yeah, well, I would say what I say doesn't really matter, but the Scripture has a lot to say about it. But to understand really properly, you got to kind of go back to Genesis and try to understand um, the establishment of nations and government and people and how all that works mm-hmm. to get a right understanding of where we are today, and then that helps you understand what the solution is for mm-hmm. how we move forward, right? right. So, um uh, so let me just say just generally yes the prayer march put on by I think uh, Franklin, you know, Graham. Franklin Graham I think I think if I remember correctly though I don't know a whole lot about it so I can't speak definitively about that specific thing I think the idea of return was return to God I think that was that was the the underlining uh, premise in that using the return was a call to return to God uh, which is what repentance is Isaiah 55. Clearly says that as well as a myriad of other passages. So I think that's what that's what was driving the the prayer march. I think that's what was in his mind. Now, what was in the mind of the people and you know the myriads that were there? It's a whole other story. But um, and th- I think that's a that's a that's a good call. I think that's a solemn call. I think you know I think there's it's admirable. Whether or not it's effective is a whole nother. Idea, mm-hmm. um, especially when you're dealing with a pagan nation, which we're, it's exactly what we're dealing with—not a Christian nation. So I want to bookmark that thought. Yeah, because you're not dealing with a Christian nation. So, um, and so that gets into the whole dilemma of returning to something, some you never were. So, anyway, um, that being generally where I'm at with that. Just so our listeners know, I'm not speaking as an as a somebody who was in the march because I wasn't, so I can't really say a whole lot about it. Or somebody even knows that much about it. I know enough to know that I wasn't going to be involved in it, mm-hmm. and uh, that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, now back to your original question about taking back the country and all of the, politi- the, the political activism that is permeating the church today, and really we're being called to this. One that is that's that's just like uh, uh, that's just common every every election season you get inundated with this mm-hmm. <laughs> evangelical politics is really what it is. Right. So some of what you're dealing with is just the constant uh onslaught of of political Christianity where mm-hmm. you're just like and and it is an Americanized uh a dilemma where because of the nation in which we are and the and the quote-unquote christian nation which we aren't and never really were but this idea that we're supposed to take it back and and uh, we're supposed to establish you know this uh, this political arena that is uh, gospel driven and that's not biblical um even though it gets promoted all the time all the time so you have to go back to genesis and you have to understand you know creation from a biblical point of view and you have to understand the fall because if you don't get a right view of the government in light of those things you'll never have a right view going forward mm-hmm. so government was never god's plan for the proclamation of the gospel so it was never god's plan that the government would be the megaphone for sending the gospel out and all of those things and uh, it's it was always been it's always been the church it's always been god's people mm-hmm. Government plays a role in that, and I'm going to explain that in a minute. But if you don't get this right, you're always going to have a skewed view of government. If you're a Christian who thinks government is the means by which we transform the world, that's mm-hmm. what I mean about you know government being the platform for the gospel. Mm-hmm. Transformation of the of the of the world was never God's plan. Uh, um, in correlation with the government, it's just you can't f- find that in Scripture. Here's what you'll find. Let me cut right to the chase. He, he, God creates man. He creates woman. He creates family. He creates people. There was no reason for government. There was no government in the beginning. There would be no government.
1: It was theocratic rule, right?
2: Well, yeah, in, in, a, in a way, Yes it was voluntary cooperation with god mm-hmm. as you submitted to him there would have been structure there would have been order we see that and it would have flown. it would have it would have come out of the family mm-hmm. okay would have been patriarchal uh, clearly in its structure and then that the patriarchal uh, establishment of the father as the leader of the home and the order which would have then grown which we see it's scripturally big families that would have then turned into big clans, big tribes, and then mm-hmm. ultimately you would have had some form or fashion of, of a state or country or whatever because as the population grew. But it would have been it would have been voluntary order would have been there because there would have been no disorder because there would have been no sin Mm -hmm. but that wouldn't deny that there would have been leadership because god established that right in the very beginning Mm -hmm. with adam and eve children and all of that so there was always authority and there was always submission Mm -hmm. and there wasn't a problem the problem comes when sin comes into the equation sin brings disorder so there was order sin comes in brings disorder disorder to the marriage disorder to the family disorder to the world Mm -hmm. right What does God bring in to reestablish order? He brings the government. So the reality of disorder happens in Genesis 3. And then for the next three chapters in Genesis, Genesis 4, Genesis 5, Genesis 6, all you see is chaos, 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 and it just grows in exponential amount. So much that God has to literally destroy the entire globe and kill everybody on the planet Lest one family, because the disorder has gotten so out of hand that there's absolutely nothing but violence, but wickedness, but rampant uh, evil. So everything we're seeing in the in our world right now, in Oregon and Washington and in, in Kentucky, all these riots in D.C., all the craziness where you're just like these people are nuts, mm-hmm. and you're seeing just out of control anger and violence, and and uh, that is what was happening on the earth everywhere like imagine that scene happening in every corner of the globe that's what brought the flood god said this is ridiculous i'm going to bring order by starting over and i'm going to wipe everything out so he does he has one family the floods subside the the, the ground gets dry uh, noah and his family come off they offer sacrifices the noahic covenant is established and what does god do he says, this is, this is really scary. He says, the wickedness is going to continue. And it's like, wait a minute. There's only one family. It's just Noah, <laughs> right? Noah and my sons. <laughs> right. And God's going, yeah, man is evil from birth. Mm-hmm. And evil's going to continue. And I can imagine them all looking at each other going, are you evil? Mm-hmm. Am I? You know, they're getting, yeah. it's a wake-up call. Right. Because it's going to come from them mm-hmm. and their seed. And so God knows that. So what does he establish that's different from before? He establishes government, and that is in Genesis, um, Genesis 9, starting at verse 4 through 6, where he establishes the death penalty. And that is the establishment right there of government, where he gives now to man a prerogative that man has never had before that, and that is to take life. That's exactly what Paul says in Romans 13, 1, when he says, The government has been given by God the authority of the sword to take life, and that is the beginning of, of government right there, where government has been given by God this authority to take life for the purpose of protecting life, the image of God, and establishing order. It's all about order. So the first two chapters with creation it's nothing but order. God does everything. He creates everything in order. He creates everything orderly. Everything works. Everything's together. Everything's made for one another. I mean, that's the whole point of creation. It just screams forth order, order, order. Sin comes in, disorder, disorder. Now God's bringing order back as a common grace. Man doesn't deserve it. He's already said man is wicked, man is sinful, but he loves his image. He wants to protect his image, which is in man. So now he's going to establish order by saying if this violence starts to ramp back up again and it will any man that takes the life of another man in murder that man's life is to be killed and what he's doing is he's elevating now the image of god in man and by so doing he's establishing a protective order that says don't do this don't go down this road again or you'll be killed how by government by giving man the right man develops government out of that and that's government's primary purpose government's primary purpose is protection and preservation and this is what most people don't understand Mm -hmm. and why the calls to abolish government is so Mm anti-god because it is it is above all else god's greatest grace in the preservation of humanity is government that's it's if if government did not exist we would not exist as a people. We would annihilate one another. That's how evil and wicked we are. But because the government, i.e., I'm using that generally, but because of government being what it is and the, and the coercive force that it brings to restrain evil in man, man continues to exist for these thousands of years. And so when you start to understand that as the primary foundational role for government, it starts to open your eyes in a way that um, you don't normally see. And so instead of government being a conduit for the gospel, it is actually a conduit for peace, where temporary uh, peace, um, imperfect peace, because it's sinful and it's run by sinful men, but it's to establish order. It's to keep order for this purpose. Why? Well, for the prosperity of God's people. So what was the ultimate command given to Adam and Eve? Genesis chapter two, fill the earth, Mm -hmm. multiply, subdue it, have dominion, rule. Mm -hmm. Why could they not do that? Because of the violence. You can't subdue the earth. You can't rule. You can't have dominion when everybody's wanting to kill one another. Mm -hmm. So what God does, because he gives the same exact command to Noah and his family, he says, same exact command, as soon as they come off the ark, this is what you must do. You must multiply, fill the earth, spread abroad, go out and literally proclaim my name by by obeying and following me, and I'm going to protect you now as you do this. I'm going to pr- provide a hedge of protection through this, through this covenant, through this order, and that's going to provide for you an avenue by which you can do this. Mm-hmm. And that's what we see throughout history. I mean, how many times was Israel... Uh, uh, Israel p- provided protection by some other government. I mean, they're going to die, and, and Egypt comes in and, and through Joseph and becomes a protective measure for Israel to provide for them, to protect them, and then also becomes a judgment against them, yeah. right? And so this is what God is doing with yeah. government. And uh, this then, though, becomes the avenue by which the gospel then can go forward in a relative temporary peace because governments have established that. They don't know they're doing it as a platform for the gospel, but that's exactly what it is. That's what Paul means in, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, when he commands that we pray for our governments, for our leaders, for everybody in high positions, so that we can live a peaceful, godly life, and the gospel can go out. That's the reason why we then want good people good governments we want good people in positions of authority we want good people who are going to help bring order and peace not necessarily christians we know that's not going to happen there will be some for sure but we can't guarantee they're all going to be believers but we want people of of, of of imperfect integrity we want people who at least have a general understanding of of morality and trying their best under the, under the uh, the fall and sin to bring order and as they do that, that provides an open door for the gospel to go out. Mm-hmm. That's what Paul means. That's why we pray for them. Yes, we pray for their salvation, of course, as we do for everybody. But we're ultimately praying that they make good laws, that they lead well, because as they do, it impacts the church mm-hmm. so that we can then, without persecution, without reservation, we can preach the gospel, we can proclaim the good news. That's, that's really what government was established by God to do. And that's why when Galatians 4.4 4 says that in the, in the fullness of time, Galatians 4.4, 4, in the fullness of time, the Lord Jesus Christ came to earth to redeem them, to, to come under the law, to redeem them under the law that he might ultimately save them. What is part of that? He came to earth under the time known as Pax Romana. Mm-hmm. It's called the Peace of Rome. Yeah. That's when he comes. Why? Because at no no time before that could the gospel go out farther and wider with a sense of peace. Mm-hmm. Again, temporal, not perfect peace. That's not what we're talking about. But we're talking about a relative peace. And that's what we see throughout the book of Acts. I mean, even the Romans, the pagan Romans are protecting Paul from the Jews. Right. Right? And so you could see how that that works. So Again, that's, there's much more that I can say and, and go into greater detail, but that gives you the broader perspective. So in that sense, yes, we are uh, concerned and we are rightfully desiring to see governmental officials who are marked by integrity, marked by competency, marked by morality, and all these things that are right, good, and true that we pray for and we look for. We know they're, you know, by and large, not going to be believers because that's reality, mm-hmm. but if they can be, that's, that's great but that's not, a, that's not a, a guarantee, and nor is that even uh, something we're necessarily looking for. We just want people who are competent, caring, and all of that because ultimately our desire is gospel. Our desire is, is, is the prosperity of the, or the promotion of the gospel and the prosperity of the gospel to go out as it spreads. That's what we want. Mm-hmm. And we know that that is far better under a time of peace. Than it is under persecution now we know persecution's reality we know that that often is used by god to springboard the gospel and we don't deny that but nobody nobody looks for that nobody wants that god brings that under it in his perfect timing and we accept that but that's what paul means in romans 13 that's why even under persecution in second uh first peter chapter two where peter says honor the emperor right he's i mean he's nero honor him submit to him and uh Live peaceable, quiet lives, and so most people don't get that. So before the fall, you don't have any. You don't have any government like we see it. It was post fall. It was created, or better yet, in- instituted by God post fall. And this is huge. It was instituted because of sin. It was not instituted before sin. No sin, no government needed. Therefore, it's a common grace to withhold to restrain evil relatively, temporally for sure, and that's its primary role, is the restraint of evil so that the gospel can go out. That's that's the ultimate, you know. So government exists for protection. It exists for punishment, protection of of the citizens. That's, I mean, that's all the way back to Genesis 9. If you kill somebody, you're going to be killed. Why? Because it, it protects the image of God. It protects the other people. It, it builds this hesitation. It builds this mm-hmm. reality of consequence. Right. So you protect. How do you protect? By punishing. So when you punish somebody, you're dealing with them, but you're dealing with everybody else who might do that. Mm-hmm. So you're protecting. It deals with, uh, uh, for the lack of a better word, prosperity, meaning it builds a platform for which then the people can fill the earth, can fulfill what God has called them to do. So he gives to Noah the same command he gave to Adam and Eve, and now they have a platform of relative peace and protection by which they can go now and fulfill what God's called them to do. And we, I mean, we understand that. We can we can we can you can be a provider and protector for your family. Uh, far easier when the police are doing what they're supposed to do, right? So it builds a platform for you now to excel in what God has called you to do. That's part of what government is supposed to do: build a platform of prosperity, not necessarily wealth, but where you can prosper as God has called you to, by way of fulfilling His commands and filling the earth, spreading the gospel, and all of that. And then it does uh, it does provide uh, that reality of 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 a gospel uh, conduit by way of uh, uh, establishing peace where the gospel can go out. So in God's economy, um, government, there's four, you brought it up earlier, there's four major conduits of authority, Mm -hmm. okay? And um, there's individual authority that God gives to us. And this is where it all begins, right? He creates an individual, Adam, Mm -hmm. and he gives him authority over the earth and he gives them responsibility to, to, to God. So we all are created with that. We are given individual authority by which God commands us and places us to do certain things. Uh, and along with that comes responsibility to fulfill what he's given us to do and submit to him and all of that. What is the what is the governing institute individually? It's the conscience. Mm-hmm. So God gives us a conscience that governs us, self-governs us. It It, it establishes convictions and protection and all those things. So that's where it all all of life begins and flows out of that. So you have that individual reality. Yeah. Then you have the family, yeah. right? And so he creates the family as this common grace that you have individuals now are part of a larger unit called the family. In that family unit, you have individuals with conscience, but you have a father who is now Establish as the head of that unit who then brings authority, who then brings direction, who helps steer the conscience, who helps strengthen the conscience, who helps mold the conscience mm-hmm. of those little children and protect them. And so again, you have this model of responsibility and authority and submission. Well, out of that then, comes the government, because now you have individuals who fulfill and make up families, who then fulfill and make up societies or communities, and within that then you have a larger structure who is there establishing and creating and bringing a sense of authority for how that community functions as a whole, and that then brings a sense of protection and leadership. Here's what's interesting. God has called the individual and the family to specific areas of responsibility that he doesn't call the government to. Therefore the government cannot infringe upon what he's called the family and the individual to do. So the government in God's economy can't tell you not to share the gospel hmm. because that's, he's given to you as an individual mm-hmm. and to you as a family. They can't come in and tell you how to raise your children. Mm-hmm. God has given that to you. That is your individual personal responsibility and as a father, your family responsibility. Mm-hmm. Government can't tell you what to do. They can't have that authority over you. When they start to do that, they have now gone outside the bounds of what God has called them to do. And now they're overreaching and they're creating all kinds of problems and going against God. And of course, we see that in countries all over the place, right? I mean, China, you take a communist country where they tell, tell you can't have any more than two kids. Government is way beyond. Mm-hmm. Now they're totally anti-God. They're mm-hmm. totally suppressing what God has called those, those families to do, to multiply and fill the earth. And now they're holding them back. Well, that government's against God. Right. So you start to see how it works. So, but at the same time, God has not given the individual the right to bear the sword right? That comes to a, a government, a an a established leadership by which they have, Romans 13, the power to kill, the power to kill those who kill others in murderous acts. But he hasn't given that to us as individuals. So if we take on vigilante acts to Romans 12, take vengeance upon ourselves or on others by our own means, now we've overstepped our bounds, and now we're in infringing upon the government. You see how that works. Mm -hmm. You see how everybody crosses each other's boundaries, but in God's design, no. And then the last, the last of the four is the church, and the church is given its own jurisdiction, its own place of responsibility, its own place of authority, and that is the gospel. The government was never given the mandate to spread the gospel, to proclaim the gospel, to have anything to, to... to withhold the churches or tell churches what to do or tell individuals what to do the government was simply to to establish order in society that's all it that's that's all it is to establish order and relative peace and all of that it's the church's job the church's authority the church's jurisdiction to spiritually deal with the people by way of the gospel and sanctification and all those things that's what the church has authority in and over so we don't go to the government and tell them how to do their job in establishing peace and order what we do do is remind them hey this is what god has called you to do Hmm. you're not doing your job Mm -hmm. right you're not doing your job in in keeping order like we see around the nation right now right It's, it's orderless it's and and it's right and good for pastors to stand up and say you're not doing your job you are whether you know it or not romans 13 is clear you're a servant of god all governments all leaders are placed in position by god himself he is sovereign and he's placed you there for this purpose to keep order when we see chaos you're not doing your job and you need to understand that you're going to have to give account for that This is your responsibility. It's not my responsibility as a pastor to keep order. That's why I'm not walking down the street, bearing arms, telling people what to do. That's not my job. I have no authority there. If I did that, I would be in sin. But my authority is here in this place to keep our people in order because again, we have our own structure. God's lined it out. We have our own uh, um, commands by God by which we do that. And when the government now comes in, and tells us what to do that's when we say no we can't do that because the beauty about this whole thing all four of those lanes of authority or lanes of establishment the individual the family the government and the church all find their authority in god Hmm. so they get all get their orders from god Mm -hmm. and if they're all looking to god and listening to god works beautifully but the minute that they start infringing on one another, and that's the tension they always do. They always do. They're always crossing over and telling each other what to do. And the minute they do that, apart from the wisdom of God, they have stepped out the, outside the bounds. And, of course, that happens with the church and the state all the time. Mm -hmm. And so the church has to remind the state, no, no, you don't have that authority. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the state has to remind the church, no, no, that's not your job. That's our job. You leave that to us. Mm -hmm. And that's why a biblical understanding of these things is paramount, so that the church doesn't get distracted from what it's supposed to do, and it rightfully prays for the government and rightfully votes for those who will help bring that. But at the end of the day, that's not our that's not our deal. Our deal is this. We focus on this. And that's where our focus, and that's where our energies, that's where our concern and all of that is. Does that make sense?
1: It, it does. And, you know, the irony is that it makes more sense now. Uh, and I've heard what you just went gone over the last part. I've heard that a few times from you. And I do remember it every time you said it. But- this is what I just realized. I just realized that that is literally in order from Genesis all, all the, way the way through to Revelation. All the way. So through. Yeah, of course the the first is man is created, then the family is created, then the government is established, and then the church and mm-hmm. in, in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, but also what I've noticed, and as I think through it as well, is that history has literally shown us how the government and re- and the church have overstepped its boundaries totally so the 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 roman catholic church is one you
2: know uh you know the inquisition the inquisition with the roman catholic church disaster Mm -hmm. what is happening there the church which wasn't really a church if you understand you know we're using church in a general sense roman catholic church was not a church in the biblical sense but in the historical sense that the their understanding of the church was never was never had the right To kill people who didn't follow Mm -hmm. that belief, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, there's nothing in the Bible, Mm -hmm. right? There's liberty, right? So yes, we exhort and we confront and we tell people where they're wrong and we show them that we don't have the right to kill anybody if Mm -hmm. they're not going to be a follower of Jesus. You know, I mean, it's ludicrous Mm -hmm. where that, but that spread for for centuries. Man, that just that went on for centuries, for hundreds and hundreds of years, for thousand years. Honestly, yeah. so it started in it started with August. It started with um, Augustine, or no, Constantine. Excuse me, Constantine in the uh, in the fourth century. Yeah, he established when it. he established Christianity as the Church of uh, in Rome, and then basically persecuted everyone who didn't uh, become a part of that. That then set it up for what would go on for over a thousand years. Of this ridiculous religious persecution for people that weren't part of any one religion, it's. But again, what was that? That was the church trying to play the state. It, we we're not we're not given that responsibility at all. Hmm. And uh, yeah, and because uh, you were saying,
1: and I was like, oh man, like I I can see this in history, and I'm even looking at uh, at, at uh, uh, Jefferson with uh, yes, one. You know, people make this make this mistake that. They say the separation between church and state. The whole statement is actually in the Constitution. It is not. No, it's there's not. actually a letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote. Yep. And that concept, yeah. the concept is a, is a good concept. Yep. But he was really talking about money. Yes. He wasn't talking about like the rules of of one over the other. He was really talking about money. Yeah. But you got to also understand his 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 standpoint. His standpoint was coming from the idea or the literally. Uh, the ideas of the people that came over from England into America, the yep. Puritans, yep. to get away from the governmental rule over the church or yep. the church's government uh, governmental rule uh, and just to be a Puritan, just be, you know, a a a, a church, a, a religious, you know, church. And then government to be separate. Yeah. So that's kind of where he was coming from well, when he pinned those words. Yes,
2: and and here's the problem with that. So the idea is is biblical, based upon what I just mm-hmm. described. There is a separation. I I don't like the word separation because I think it it paints a it paints a picture that's ambiguous. It paints a picture that's actually unbiblical because none of them are separated. If you understand the sovereignty and the sovereign plan of God, mm-hmm. as I just described, they're right. all working together. Right. In God's plan, you're supposed to be working together for the purposes of God, mm-hmm. right? Now, we know government by and large doesn't do that, mm-hmm. but that's not our issue. Our issue is what does God want, and that's what we try to do. Right. And so in God's design, he wants government to do this so that ultimately, Yes, generally it helps all mankind. That's where, again, you see God's benevolent love for mankind in establishing a government which provides peace for all people, even the wicked people of the earth, right? Mm -hmm. So just as he sends the sun and rain upon the just and the unjust, so he gives government to the just and the unjust, Right. right? And so you see that. But ultimately, his ultimate design for that peace, that temporary peace, is so that the eternal peace can come as the gospel spreads out. And so the church and the state are separate in this fact. They're separate in their jurisdictions. So we have a jurisdiction, an authority, a responsibility by God, from God, and it's gospel. Mm -hmm. That's our our, don't mess with the gospel. Don't tell us what it is. Don't try to infringe upon it. Don't hinder us from doing it. it. That's it. So the gospel, meaning gospel proclamation as well as gospel establishment here on earth when we see the church grow by way of ephesians 4 the equipping of the saints the maturation of the saints all of that is all what we've been called to do government has no say in that they can't tell us what to do about that they can't infringe upon that they can't hinder us from that because that comes straight from god Mm -hmm. so if i could draw this on a whiteboard god is over us telling us what to do and anytime the government tries to put a lid on that. They're coming between us and God, Mm -hmm. and you can't do that. Now, you've stepped in front of our sovereign, in front of our leader. You're not our leader. He is, right? Mm -hmm. But the same thing for the government. They've been given the right by God to keep order and do all these things, and the minute the church comes in and steps over them and says, no, no, you can't do it that way. Do it this way. Now, we're stepping in their jurisdiction. Now, if they're doing it anti-God based upon what Scripture said, then, of course, we're the many theologians have said the church focuses on the inward issues and the government's supposed to focus on the outward issues the the matters of social life and the church focuses on the matters of spiritual life i think it's a little too general yeah. but it gets but it, it, it there is some truth there Right. But the problem is the matters of social life are also spiritual mm-hmm. because the Bible speaks very clearly on how we're to live mm-hmm. and even dealing with injustices towards people. And the Bible's clear that that's wrong. And we should call that out when we see it. And we should put our finger in the government's eye and say, no, this is wrong. Police mm-hmm. brutality is wrong and mm-hmm. you got to fix this. Right. Right. But it's not our job to fix it. Mm-hmm. If, if I take up the mantle as a, as a pastor and say, we're going to fix this. I'm, I'm now in a jurisdiction I don't have. And so, so while we're separated by the jurisdictions, we're united by what who's over us and who who directs us. And so there is a separation of church and state, but it's not what most people think. We are to be working in support and tandem with one another. Now, most of the time that support only comes from the church towards the government, not the government towards the church. But that's the nature in which we live and uh, in most societies. But... Um, how it is is not the issue. It's what God has called us to and will we be submissive to it? So, Well, see, that's
1: <laughs> I, I think more than anything, that is the issue that we're coming up against right now. Mm-hmm. The issue is that there are and I, I mentioned this in the beginning because I'm seeing it in two different uh, done handled two different ways. Yep. One, the <laughs> uh, OK, I'll, I'll just use the term evangelical church has yep. been very um very big on hey you know we need to not just pray, but we need to do something. Yes. So yes. we need to do something. We It's not necessarily us marching in the streets, but we need to sue the government because yep. of whatever issue. Yep. Now, the uh, the highly melanated church, I'd yep. say, uh, the highly melanated church has a different approach. Mm-hmm. Their approach is, we are going to march in the streets yep. and we are going to say all types of things that we can on social media yep. and we'll call you racist if you you as a evangelical church don't support doesn't him. support it. Yes. So,
2: it, it, so it, go ahead. So again, the Bible's really clear. Mm-hmm. When you understand the roles of each, right, then you you begin to have a clear, very clear understanding of what the solutions are in mm-hmm. these things. So go all the way back again to Genesis. The government was established. Why? Because man is sinful. Because man is evil the government was established to help restrain that the government never will completely restrain it the never the government will never eradicate it cuz that wasn't its goal that wasn't its purpose cuz it can't it was there to restrain it and so what that does right away is that helps us that helps us right from the very beginning to expect evil to expect uprisings, to expect injustices, mm-hmm. to expect these things, and to not including within the own government because the government is, is is just as evil as the men who fill it. Right. And so what that does is it gives you a, for lack of a better word, a deflated view of government, not an inflated view. It gives you a balanced view that says, yes, this is God's design, but I understand what the outcome ultimately is going to be. It's going to be imperfection. It's not going to be cosmic justice. It's not going, this isn't going to happen until the Lord returns. But in the meantime, there will be this temporary reality and it will have seasons of that. It's better than others. And we will point it out where it's bad. But at the end of the day, if I'm a believer, this isn't, this isn't my mission my mission isn't this because the mission is done god's given that the mission is this over here spreading the gospel because here's here's why if i embrace the gospel mission as given through the church and i do what god has called me to do and then god does what he's promised to do then that will have direct impact on the government it will have direct direct impact because people will be saved and as people are saved, they will begin to populate communities. They will begin to spread out into those communities and become saved doctors, saved lawyers, saved politicians. Again, it's not, gonna, it's not going to be complete. It's not going to be uh, cosmic. But it will begin to filtrate. It will begin to infiltrate those areas. So the gospel, let me be really clear, mm-hmm. the gospel mission isn't the salvation of the world it isn't the eradication of racism, it isn't, the, uh, it isn't the, uh, uh, the ending of poverty, it isn't all these things that so many people think it is. That's not our mission, that's not even government's mission per se. Our mission is salvation of individual souls through the gospel, but then we what? Ephesians 4, we equip those saints To be servants of the gospel and send them out they become police officers they become firemen they become politicians and that's where when the church embraces the mission the mission has direct impact on the government and the communities and all of those things but not the other way around so everybody wants to flip-flop it and say the government needs to do this no the church needs to do this and by doing this we will be involved in these things you're going to you're going to have uh young people that are going to raise up and become politicians that's awesome they should just like we should have doctors and lawyers and missionaries and pastors and all of that and that's what will happen as the gospel goes out
1: i'll tell you exactly what the response to that is going to be you ready go for it's, it it's it's very easy but here's the thing you don't understand that as a as a unmelanated person uh, you don't understand the gospel is not enough that you need to have more than just the gospel. You need programs. You need uh, a certain legislation to be passed because of the fact that, you know, the gospel is a long term yep. uh, mission yep. versus like right now we need certain things to happen right now.
2: So, and, and this would be my answer. Well, I'm just telling you what God says, and He understands mm-hmm. whether I understand or not. It has nothing to do with it. Right. I can honestly tell you, I don't understand, mm-hmm. right? Because that's not the issue. But I go to the one who does, and this is what He said, and so we follow Him. That being that being absolutely crystal clear, the reality is, it is a long term. I mean, it's 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 a it's a plan that will not end until Christ returns. So mm-hmm. I get that, and it will be imperfectly, you know, worked out through our own. Sin and and imperfections. However, that doesn't negate the temporary, temporal needs of people, and that those things need to be addressed. And so, and so, give me give me a specific example of where there's injustice in Bowie. Give me a specific example where you can point to and say this is wrong, and I'll be the first one to go down there and point it out. I'll be the first one to go to city hall or whatever and say, "Look, what's going on with this? This is wrong," because as a pastor, I feel like that's part of my job in a community. The problem is nobody can ever do that. They speak in generalities because there are communities that have that. There are communities that are overlooked, and and I got got something for you. And those community leaders need to stand up and. (laughs) And not 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 uh, act as criminals not burn down buildings but they need to confront the, they need to confront the government and say hey what's the deal with this there's nothing wrong with that that's good that's right and the Bible talks about that but the problem is today everybody's talking in generalities and saying oh there's all this systemic racism it's bad it's bad it's bad and I always say please show me give me an example mm-hmm. and, and no see, one does
1: well see that, that's the thing um, one uh and, and and please keep it by um the devil doesn't even an advocate my my old the pastor that married me in beverly his name is charlie brown this, this, <laughs> uh, the irony that his name is charlie Brown is- but great man uh, i still- i respect him i i love this him and his his wife. He's the one who married us, and he would always say, You know, people say, Well, let me play devil's advocate. He's like, Wait a minute, the devil does not need do an <laughs> advocate. <laughs> so I loved that. So, and he lived, he lived, uh, you know, in, in our neighborhood. So uh, uh, we would we would say, You know, look at this. Charlie Brown and Lucy are in the same neighborhood. Oh, uh, that's good. Yeah, they moved away, though. But, <laughs> but the, <laughs> so I, I, I want to play. "Quote unquote devil's advocate" and and kind of give Go you this. It. So with this being the case, with you asking for it, mm-hmm. that shows one. And and I'm doing this. I'm doing this for our listeners because you know a lot of our listeners are uh, uh, l- less less melanated than me. Yeah, you know, uh, more more or less uh, uh, Matt Matt's uh, hue. So. <laughs> That's the best way to say it, so uh I want you all to understand the 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 argument sure um the argument is is not a it's not a fair argument I will say it that way one it's not a fair argument uh meaning that because of your hue you're it's it's always uh negative towards sure uh, you know you sure so because you are asking for yes. Uh, areas and and instances of injustice that makes you privileged because you don't understand it sure you have to be told these things sure now here's the other side me as a highly melanated uh, uh, darker hue yeah then what we have to look at is like i am oppressed sure me being oppressed meaning uh, i am like we, i was i joked earlier it's you know th- th- my color is a blessing and a curse You know that curse part is because of my hue. I get pulled over by the cops more, sure, and my life is more in danger uh, from uh, a a police officer than anything else. That is that is the um, that is that is the story that is being told to me, and I'm supposed to embrace that exactly. So how can you answer that then, since you are? because of your hue you don't understand that that part or or you know that that racist you know so so we're going to stop here and then come back next time but now here is the gospel of jesus christ
3: my name is kimberly mathis and i'm from santa teresa baptist church in santa teresa new mexico this is the gospel of jesus christ
0: el evangelio biblico comienza con dios de la nada dios hizo todo incluyéndonos a usted y a mí para brindarle mucho placer. Su propósito para nosotros como humanidad era amarlo, obedecerlo y disfrutarlo perfectamente. En lugar de eso, el hombre ha pecado contra nuestro amoroso creador y ha actuado en rebelión. Como Dios es bueno y justo, debe castigar el pecado y merece el castigo eterno consciente bajo la ira de Dios en el infierno. Pero Dios Siendo misericordioso, amoroso y lleno de gracia, tenía un plan para castigar el pecado y ser un juez justo, y sin embargo, perdonar a los pecadores y mostrar misericordia, enviando a su propio Hijo Jesucristo, el Hijo igualitario y coeterno de Dios, para venir como hombre cumpliendo sus requisitos perfectos en el lugar de los pecadores, amarlo, obedecerlo y disfrutarlo perfectamente. Además, Jesús llevó toda la ira de Dios sobre la cruz, ya que satisfechó el enojo eterno de Dios, de pie en lugar de los pecadores, aunque él mismo era perfectamente sin pecado. Dios mostró su aceptación del sacrificio de Cristo a resucitar a Jesús de la muerte después de tres días en la tumba. Ahora Jesús ordena a todas, en todas partes, que se arrepientan, se aparten de sus pecados y crean o confíen en él. Esta es la transacción gloriosa. Dios luego carga la perfección de Cristo al pecador y ya no lo ve como un enemigo, sino como hijos e hijas adoptados, cubiertos por la justicia perfecta de su hijo. Ahora podemos tener paz con Dios y tener vida eterna con él para siempre. Es verdad para cada persona, en cada cultura, en cada lugar, en cada idioma, a través de los tiempos. Entonces, nuestra respuesta a esta buena noticia es arrepentimiento y fe. Estimado oyente, he aquí ahora, es el tiempo aceptado. He aquí, ahora es el día de salvación. Apártate de tus pecados, cree en el Señor Jesucristo y hoy reconcíliate con Dios. The biblical gospel starts with God. And out of nothing, God made everything,
3: including you and me, to bring himself much pleasure. His purpose for us as humanity was to love, obey, and enjoy him perfectly. Instead of this, man has sinned against our loving creator and acted in rebellion. Since God is good and just, he must punish sin that deserves eternal conscious punishment under God's wrath and hell. But God, being merciful, loving, and gracious, had a plan to punish sin, and so be a just judge, and yet forgive sinners, and so display mercy by sending his own Son, Jesus Christ, the co-equal and co-eternal Son of God, to take on human flesh, fulfilling his perfect requirements in the place of sinners, loving, obeying, and enjoying him perfectly. Furthermore, Jesus bore the full wrath of God upon the cross, As he satisfied the eternal anger of God, standing in the place of sinners, though he was himself perfectly sinless. God showed his acceptance of Christ's sacrifice by raising Jesus from the dead after three days in the grave. Now Jesus commands everyone everywhere to repent, turn from their sins, and believe, trust in him. This is the glorious transaction. God then charges Christ's perfection to the sinner and no longer views him as an enemy, but instead as adopted sons and daughters, covered in the perfect righteousness of his son. We can now have peace with God and have eternal life in him forever. It's true for every person, in every culture, in every place, in every language, through all time. So our response to this good news is repentance and faith. Dear hear, behold now is the accepted time. Behold now is a day of salvation. Turn from your sins, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and this day be reconciled to God.
0: Thanks for tuning in this Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. If you have a question, please send them to the thetruthtalkspodcast.gmail.com. Visit our Instagram and Twitter at thetruthtalkspodcast. And visit our website at bellcroftbiblechurch.org. Delighting in the word that we might walk in the truth. A ministry of Bellcroft Bible Church.